okay. Welcome back to another episode of uh, a Maybe. Next time, I am your host, William Moore, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation! Happy New Year. <laughs> oh. Soon. <laughs> that, uh... That had nothing to do with Epstein, which is sort of a disappointment <laughs> for a long time. Maybe that's time, listeners. Um, not today. Not today. Okay. We'll save that for later in the cast. Uh, welcome back. This is your weekly Nets podcast. We talk all things Nets Nation. Um, Simon, just back from the other side of the country, San Diego. I am about to leave the country entirely to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Do you know if they use um, U.S. dollars in Puerto Rico? Yeah. That's right. Okay, I thought, it's, I thought so. It's, um, you know, they're all U.S. citizens, everybody. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's one headache I've just avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we're here to talk to you about the Nets, as we do every week. Um Simon, do you have any feelings you'd like, personal feelings you'd like to express before we get started here? Uh, no. Just about your state of mind, your... No. Okay, great. I think so. Great. Well, then we'll get right into it, okay? (laughs) Yeah, we got a lot to go on. (laughs) We do have a ton to talk about today. Um, It's the final podcast of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, before we... Sorry, I should have said... Oh, I ha- I my have, God. Now, I've been begging I for have something. A surpri- I have a surprise now. stat station for you. If, if, okay, if yes, we will me. definitely okay, go to stat station very great. soon. Great. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's the, last ep- it's the last episode of the decade. We're going to do some reflecting on the last decade of, of, of NET's uh, nation. And we'll also do some forward-looking... We will we will make some more predictions about what will happen the rest of the year, and we'll also have our very own next year's resolution. Yes. Um, but before any of that, Simon, we ought to talk about where the Nets are today. It is Saturday, four twenty-six. We are about to go play the Houston Rockets, mm-hmm. uh, recently beaten by the Golden State Warriors. So vulnerable. Yeah, well, to... you might also say they got their little surprise sleeper game out of the way, and they're back ready to crush. I think that seems more likely, but um, <laughs> let's let's try to remain optimistic on this, our final podcast of the year. Um, the Nets are currently 16 and 14. We are 2.5 games ahead of the eighth-seeded Magic, who just beat the Sixers. Mm. We also beat the Sixers for some context there, so it doesn't necessarily mean they're getting any better. Um, but... Recently, the Nets suffered far and away the most humiliating loss of the entire season to our crosstown rivals, the New York Knicks, in which we set a record for the fewest made two-pointers in the entire shot clock era. That goes back to 1954. And just to one-up that already staggering stat, <laughs> we, we, we should, we, you can go back to 1950 before you find a game in which, uh, so pre-shot clock era, in which a team scored fewer two-point field goals than we did. We got eight of them. The the fewest uh, since the beginning of the Shawcock era had been eleven. So we didn't we didn't uh, narrowly 
miss that mark. <laughs> right. We pretty sizably uh, came short on that one. What does the Knicks loss mean in the mind of McCormack? Um, well, it was uh, it was another sort of data point in um, the improved defense very much uh, um, uh, not improved uh, offense. Um, I don't know if you saw those stats. It was something like we had, before Kyrie went down, the fifth highest ranked offense. Now we have something like the 26th uh, ranked offense. We uh-huh. have a much better defense now. I think we have a top five defense. Wow. But even if you manage to keep a team to 96 points, like we did the Knicks, if you score 82, you got thumped. Or 90, I don't know, 84. I don't remember. But whatever the score was, <laughs> yeah. it was terrible. It um, was, I don't think we got 84. Yeah, I think it might have been 82. Um, at any rate, uh, we lost big. Basically, the entire fourth quarter was garbage time. Um, and now... Um, as I texted you and Seth, we are looking at uh, the fifth toughest schedule of any team in the league uh, here on out. So enjoy your two games over 500 because that it very well could be the sweet life. Yeah, that could be the best we ever have it again for the rest of this season. Yeah. But, Simon, this is the final one of the decade, so we are staying positive. Okay. Um, which is the perfect time to transition to Katie's Corner, um, which is quickly becoming Quiet Corner. Uh, yeah, not much on KD, but I a, a, I was just going to talk about other people on Injury Row, which yep. this is sort of... Oh, Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> uh, so I was just going to talk about some of the myriad other injured nets. Yeah. But a thing did come out about KD today. Oh. The NBA on Instagram posted the top 20 dunks of the last decade. KD had two, the 19th and 17th best dunks per NBA.com of the decade. Mm. Both both occurred when he was playing with Oklahoma City. I don't know how ferocious a dunker he's going to be when he comes back for the Nets. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Kyrie's corner while we're over here. Mm-hmm. Um, his shoulder injury is now being referred to as thoracic bursitis. Mm-hmm. Simon, pretend I don't know that much about thoracic bursitis. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, what does that mean? So... Uh, thoracic bursitis, as I understand it from the Brian Lewis article that I will now try to faithfully regurgitate, is um, very similar to shoulder impingement, um, but has to do with like little sacks that sort of help, um, I don't know, reduce the like direct uh, contact between, uh, like, the shoulder blade and the, um, I don't know, rotator cuff or something. Uh-huh. Let's, I don't know if that's right. But some bones from touching each other, which is not good. Yeah. Those sacks or those pieces of body are <laughs> not, uh, they're, like, drastically reduced or non-existent. And those pieces of bone are kind of touching each other or coming close, and that creates inflammation and all sorts of not good. One thing I found interesting about this as opposed to shoulder impingement 
is that it is purely, it sounds like, a, a like overuse injury. Mm. It is not a something that just comes up in 40-year-olds. Um, but I did see, did you see that Kenny was like, that diagnosis is not accurate? accurate yeah. So there's a little uh, pushback on, on that. But um, this is the sort of thing that uh, inevitably happens when you're incredibly tight-lipped about injuries and right. what is actually going on. Um, you will get your anonymous sources claim X <laughs> and like we talked to a physician who hasn't ever even talked to Kyrie Irving, let alone diagnosed him, but he thinks this and right. like you're just begging for that sort of thing because people want something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the long story short on the thoracic bursitis shoulder impingement uh, gate mm-hmm. is that we aren't going to see Kyrie probably for at least another at least another 3 to 4 weeks I would say. Yeah, I mean again, we keep blowing by. Remember just I think it was maybe as recently as last week when you were like, "Boy, I hope we get 50 games of Kyrie." Um <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, that would be bad, but you right. know, we could still uh, hobble together enough information about how he plays with these people to make it worth it." Right. Um uh, yeah. No. I mean, a return this season is sort of now <laughs> becoming the uh blind optimist perspective on on when he'll be back. Right. Ex- exactly. Uh, um, but for a little bit of a silver lining, mm-hmm. Karis will be traveling with the team mm-hmm. on this road trip. Uh, we play again on Monday in Minnesota, and then we play Thursday um, elsewhere. I forget who we play. Um, uh, Thursday, oh, in Dallas against the Mavs. Do you think we see Karras on this road trip? Yes. I, in fact, Bill, here is how I'll, I'll bring you some end-of-year optimism. I yeah. think we're going to see him against uh, Minnesota. Now, Me too. Even the hardest, just because all of the talk is like he's very close, right. he's done even more contact now, and, you know, whatever. things could There could definitely be a side um, a setback. That is what this season has been full of, especially when it comes to injuries. But um, it does seem like things are trending in the right direction. Admittedly, past even the late end of the um, time frame that we were given, four to six weeks, it's now past six weeks. But oh, yeah. hey, beggars, and we are truly beggars, cannot be choosers. Uh, so that, that will be good, I hope, and I think that will happen. Um, but remember, Nets fans, when a player comes back from injury... There is a very, very slow, agonizing buildup of both minutes and that player playing well. So yes. we've still got a long, long way before anyone is happy. Even diehard Karras fans like myself will be feeling good about Karras. Yeah. Um, I should also mention, in the top 20 dunks of the last decade, the number one dunk went to DeAndre Jordan. Wow. It was wow. an oop where he dunked over <laughs> this guy in a humiliating way um, and when he was on the Clippers. Mm. And, <laughs> and the guy, I think the uh, the call was like, oh, that guy's going to end up on a screensaver. <laughs> Those were the glory days. The screensaver days were the DeAndre Jordan yes, golden yes. years. It's hard. I mean, unless you really enjoy a enormous man standing at the top of a key, lazily passing the ball <laughs> to various players, <laughs> then you're not going to have a lot of DeAndre screensaver moments this season. But 
Let's move on from Katie's Corner. Sure. Hopefully next week there is something that happens. I mean, I feel like it's been eerily quiet on the, uh, you know, recovery front, on the burgeoning media tycoon front. Um, So, yeah, hopefully something happens. Let's go to StatStation. I have a very brief stat that I'm doing mostly to tee you up here. And then then we can get to your stat. Okay. Uh, In the last four games, Simon, Mm. Prince has shot 9 of 41 Mm -hmm. for 22% from the field and 4 of 25 for 16% from the field from three. In the last four games, Temple, Garrett Temple, has shot 16 of 55, 29% of the field, and 9 of 32, 28% from three. Uh, One thing you can sort of rely on when you have guys like Torian Prince and Joe Harris and Garrett Garrett Temple types on your team is that you can count on one of them to do okay in these games. You really just need one of them to be hot from three in a game to give you the shooting necessary to to cause other teams to respect them, to give you points, (laughs) to give you that boost that you'll need from one of those guys. Um, And we have definitely not been getting it from two of the three of those guys guys lately at all i know you're particularly upset with torian uh why don't you take it away okay so bill i am good this is a a thought exercise for you here okay i'm gonna read the stats of two players one is a current net and one is a former net in the nba in in the nba right now right now both are in the nba right now okay um the both and both stats are net stats. Um, so when they were with the Nets, or in the case of the current net, their current year. Okay. Okay. One net averaged forty um, percent from the field, thirty point three seven eight from three point range. Okay. Uh, I already know who it is, but keep going. Okay. Effective field goal percentage point five two nine. And 13.2 points per game. That's Alan Crabb. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is Alan Crabb. Okay. <laughs> Great pick. Um, that's incredible. Uh, the next one uh, averaged uh, 37.373 from the field. Yeah. 0.364 from the three-point range. Yeah. 0.476 effective field goal percentage yeah. for 12.1 points. Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> Torian Prince. Wow, Bill. <laughs> yeah, no, Torian has been uh, he has been very disappointing of late. I will grant you that. His numbers are dipping in a extremely ominous way, and you have every right to be concerned that he um, he could turn into our next Alan Crab. Yeah. Uh, a couple bright, uh, a couple things that are better about mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Torian Prince. This is the the worst he's played. You know his his numbers were much better th- a week and a half ago. Mm. Um, he is. I don't remember Alan Crabb ever defending a four, or even trying to defend a four. I mean, you could argue that um, Torian doesn't really defend a four either, <laughs> but. <laughs> But anyway, he's at least trying. They can positionally maneuver him into that thing, which is a position of need, which is helpful um, in some way. And if I'm not 
mistaken, um, he is making next season when he gets paid, paid, uh, he's still making about 10 million less than Crab. It's about five. So it's like 13 million versus 18. Right. So I uh, so for those reasons, I think that while Torian is massively disappointing, especially of late, um, has shown some good flashes, as Alan Crabb admittedly did. But Alan Crabb's contract was always much more bloated. He was always much more limited defensively, um, just in position-wise. I'm not saying that Torian has proven to be a, a great defender by any stretch of the imagination, but at least there's some flexibility in what he can do defensively. Yeah, um... Uh, sure. No, but what? I mean, I, this is your moment to shit on. Oh no! I mean, you, you I, 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 the numbers speak for themselves. <laughs> I'm just gonna, just gonna put them out there. I'm not gonna spin anything. I'm, right, this is right, the right. spin zone. This I'm is, just gonna right. give you the facts. Right, right. This is fair and balanced news <laughs> yeah. from Tucker McCormack. Um, all right. Shall we transition into top ten of the decade? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, this also sort of relates to an, a mailbag we got from IRLJZ. Thank you for the questions, IRLJZ. I have another one at the end of the podcast that you don't know about yet, but oh boy, you'll be able to think on your feet. That's what you're best at here. Yes. Uh, you said a couple weeks back, Simon mentioned that seeing Kyrie drop 50 was the best basketball he'd ever seen. Beyond Kyrie's wizardry during our season opener, what are your personal best Nets moments from the last year or last few years? Oh, great. So we're doing a top ten here of the last decade, but I just want to say before we get into the last decade, um, these will be very, at least mine, I can't, I don't know what yours are. Mine are going to be very biased towards the last five years and, and really more like the last three or four years. That is... Really, the time during which Simon and I have gone from knowing about the Nets to obsessively thinking and caring about the Nets. Yes. Um, so, with that in mind, let's start with number 10. I'm going to do my, my number 10 first, and then we can just go back and forth. Okay. My number 10, just to get the ball rolling, is uh, 2012, whatever it was, November 2nd. Uh, when the Nets officially moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, With okay. that, without that, it is the sine qua non of the of this whole thing. Like we would not care about the Nets to the degree we do if we couldn't walk to the stadium. Yes, uh, I we I don't think I mean maybe we would make one ironic trip to the TGIF and and um, and Net Stadium you know like once a year or something but I don't even know if we would have ever become interested at all in the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, had they not been in our neighborhood, basically. I agree. Um, all right, so that's my number two. It probably should be my number one because it <laughs> literally uh, none of these would exist without that. But right, mine is ten. Is also yes. They're moving to Brooklyn. Oh. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's right, baby. <laughs> okay, don't call me that. Um, I can do what I want. But yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> All right, my okay. <clears throat> number nine. Do you want to do your number nine? Sure. My In number, case we have the same one. My number nine, Bill, is... Um, Brooke Lopez hitting a game winner in the season that we won um, 21. It was his last season as a net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had 21 games, I think, we won that uh-huh. year. So it was a season of pretty much total, you know, uh, 
the worst record in the league. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the worst. Yeah, because yeah, um, and but it was like a nice moment. We were at that game. We were we had snuck down to to good seats, and uh, I just remember Brook Lopez hitting it and like. You know, Karis LeVert, like, put him in, like, a joy headlock. Everyone was, like, really excited. It was, like, a nice, like, yes, this team is pathetic, but we're, like, happy to be in it. And we're not behaving like a team that is miserable and doesn't care about anything. So that was, like, the first sort of joyful, one of the first joyful moments as a Net right. of the last few years. Right. It's not been it's not been a pleasant uh, experience <laughs> being a Nets fan over the last uh, few years. My number nine is the Trevor Booker for Okafor, Stauskas, and a second rounder <laughs> trade. Um, I just remember back mm. on that. I liked Booker. Mm-hmm. I, he was a, a true hustle guy. Like made some really you know, dogged plays for the Nets was a really important piece for the horrible team that Mm. was at that time. Um, But I remember being so excited about getting Jalil Okafor and being so pissed that the 76ers weren't playing him. I remember there's this whole thing, like free Okafor movement. Yeah. Uh, We got him. We're like, oh, yeah, this is we got the number two pick. He's going to be fucking incredible. Uh, We got Stauskas, who in my mind, you know, like I was like, well, he was a top 10 pick, too. He's going to be like he's going to be Joe Harris. He's going to be he has so much potential. He's a lottery guy. We, We completely ripped him off. And we got a second rounder, which is insane, because Booker basically got traded to that team because they were like, we're actually going to make the playoffs, and we need like a really good vet. And I don't think Booker <laughs> turned out to be that vet. But apparently no. the price to get off Okafor was a second rounder, basically. Um, so anyway, I just remember, and you know, and, and, it, and it sustained me for a long time, the whole, like, why isn't Kenny playing Okafor? Okafor looks so good when, when he's in, and and uh, it was just a very fruit like you know watching Booker Trevor Booker is fine, but Okafor was like that false hope that I needed at that time in my life. Yeah, I think we all thought the they had pulled it off, and I remember it was, I think it was like Zach Lowe who at the time of the trade was like I don't really think they care about Okafor. I think they yeah. wanted that second round pick, and you and I were like what a fucking moron. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the second round pick who I think turned into. Was that? Uh, that could be Cruz. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Cruz. Um, okay, so you want eight or do you want to go? Um, I'll just briefly do eight for me. Uh, it's just Brooke Lopez. Okay. I, I love Brooke Lopez. I yeah. thought he was such a uh, – I mean, obviously, he was top three net probably of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very hard to see him go, but uh, he was great while he was here, and he – uh, it went out in a dignified fashion, and it's good to see him on an actual great team now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, contributing in a totally different way that I feel like the Nets helped create. Oh, like definitely. he became a three-point stretch five, model stretch five, because of the Nets and because of Kenny Atkinson. So if the Bucks win, it's sort of like a Nets championship. Definitely. Absolutely. That may be the closest we come. 
Um, the number eight for me is a bit of a weird one, um, but it is watching and, like, refreshing Nets daily constantly to see if, um, the Heat and then the, um, Blazers matched the enormous offer sheets (laughs) to Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb, (laughs) who, like, at the time, like, that was, that was... And Yeah, well, that was later. (laughs) That one I actually wasn't really... I gotta say, even I was like... Why right. do we want He's the- not medically clear. He's, <laughs> he's missing three spinal cords. Crucial for a center in the ba- in basketball. Yeah, I know the centers don't matter, but they do need a back. Right. Um, so, but but those two guys, like, that was really like the, I feel like that offseason, I don't want to speak for you, Bill, but that offseason was when I really caught Nets fever. Oh, yeah. And it was such an interesting, at the time, totally interesting method of like trying to acquire a player was like through this like absurd offer sheet. Yeah, poison pill uh, filled offer sheet. Yeah, and it was and it, again it it creates this like t- the clock you're on the clock and it's like by midnight we got to know by midnight right. we got to know we're getting Tyler Johnson for an insane <laughs> contract. Um and it was awesome. You, you even the like and just you know we didn't get him which is actually great and we should have kept it you know that way with Alan Crabb, oh. but but it was like this rush that I you know hadn't felt in some time uh, related to sports. Yeah, no, I I think it, I think that does say something about our enjoyment of the Nets. <laughs> that like that is such a thrill, like like the abstract sort of like maneuvers you could make are like the the stories are like the thing that we're most drawn to. But, yeah. Um, Anyway, my number seven, that's a great one, by the way. That, that I love that time, too. I, I totally didn't think of it. Um, number seven for me is my burgeoning collection of bobbleheads. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I never, ever, <laughs> ever imagined I would own nor desire a bobblehead. Um, but at this point, I've got... Uh, about 10 to 12 and it's just they're just nice like I have a Jeremy Lin bobblehead yeah. I have a Alan Crabb I have a Rondé Jefferson yeah, yeah. Um, these players who definitely aren't with the Nets anymore who I mostly like deeply disliked while they were a Net but now I really have a strong affection for them as a bobblehead and you now have a DeAndre Jordan one who is and sure I, to go down <laughs> oh that. my god yeah yeah absolutely he is um and he's, yeah, I put him right in front of my uh, Spider-Man bobblehead, <laughs> which is the than, one thing I don't yeah, like. Like, yeah, I don't I want don't a either. fucking superhero bobblehead. Right. Um, number seven. seven for me is... You're uh, doing all this from memory. It's really impressive. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm kind of, you know, this You're is, this is like improv. Right. Yeah. improv. Yeah. Bebop, yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yeah. Exactly. Acting is reacting. So, um... Uh, numero seven for me is um, the hiring of Sean Marks and then the hiring of Kenny Atkinson. Ooh, double um, whammy. I think that that set us on this this path to at least somewhat um, relevance and, uh, you know, uh, allowed us to sort of have a lot of these experiences that we're, that we're talking about. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, number six for me, Simon, mm-hmm. is Dudley almost fighting Joel Embiid oh, nice, in nice. the playoffs last year. Um, I was at the game. 
it was emotionally charged and Dudley sort of manifested all the feelings that the crowd had Mm -hmm. um, towards the sort of villainy of the Sixers and the sort of righteous underdogness of the of the mm. nets, mm-hmm. um, and just yeah, that was a that was a good one. For yeah, me. definitely. Uh, number s- uh, six for me is um, the development of Joe Harris, who we basically have uh, longtime listeners will know um, underestimated at every turn of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, trade him. Tra- it was First it was cut him. Right. Oh, you're saying trade him now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so first it was cut him, keep K.J. McDaniels and... Oh, K.J. And uh, oh, uh, Archie Goodwin. Archie, my Don't boy. Don't keep the now reigning three-point uh, champion and soon-to-be at least 15 to 16 millionaire a year. Um, but just watching him go from like, not only was he not a great three point specialist, like I think he averaged something like 36% um, from three the first year, but he was so dull. Like yeah. it was just, it was like watching paint dry, watching him play um, the first year with the Nets to now, you know, becoming the, uh, well, we all know uh, what he's, he's become. Um, all right, my number five is um, starting this podcast. Oh, Bill, that's so nice. Yeah, that's great. Right, that's, in, the, right that's... in the middle there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put it at fifteen if I could, but it only went to ten. Yeah, uh, yeah. This podcast—it's been—it's been good. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, number five for me is the trade for D'Angelo Russell. Oh, yeah. That's Uh, my number three. Okay, okay. Uh, Just seeing not only, you know, did D'Angelo Russell provide, was the leading reason why, um, you know, we had so much fun last year, but uh, it was such an interesting trade, right? We swallowed a big salary. We traded a guy who was, like, a franchise player. Yeah. Um... And yeah, a bad franchise player. Yeah, 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 not a franchise player that could ever lead a team to a championship right. or even a modicum of playoff success. But right. but a franchise <laughs> player yeah. befitting the Nets, our best player yeah. by far. Yeah, um, and um, and a, and a, and a solid dude, um, and giving up the pick that became Kyle Kuzma to to get <laughs> an actually like highly touted, though fallen from grace. A young player, which it seemed like we were never going to get. Right. Um, and look where it led. Yeah. Um, all right. So my – that's my number three. So I'll cross that out. My number four, I feel like you're probably going to say um, okay. as a higher one. So I'm going to – Skip ahead to my number two, okay. And you can you can give yours because it's been amazing how little overlap we've had. Yeah, yeah. On this so far, um, my number two is getting two seasons worth of free tickets. Yes, that uh, that that is my that is my I don't know three or four. It's it's in there. Right, right, right. It's yeah, it's got to yeah. be it's got to be a top fiver. Um, it's. It, there are a lot of annoying aspects of the block. Yeah. Um, being sort of compelled to stand and chant uh, throughout the entire game. Um, when sometimes you would rather just like watch the basketball game that's happening. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in exchange for 
incredibly good tickets. The best tickets, basically, like that's the section we would want to like sneak down to back when we did not have free tickets. Right. So uh, it's certainly worth it, and um, has been a really good experience just to see like a team this much live from a decent perspective to be right by the media thing and see, you know, the big, you know, like the Jackie McMullins and the Zach Lowe's and Howard Beck's coming in and out. And even, you know, guys like Steve Lich- Lichtenstein and mm-hmm. Lichtenstein and, and whatever. Uh, it's just been, it's been, it's been cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my number four is, uh, if that's number three, which it should be, is Spencer Dinwiddie's development. Um, okay. Which, again, he's another guy that um, I would say primarily you, but also me, have consistently been like, this is the ceiling, you know, trade, trade, trade. This is as good as he's going to get. And then every year he's gotten better to the point where now he is at least in the conversation for an all-star bid. He, in that Knicks game, once again, it was, like, really clear. Like, I remember they made, like, seven points. Mm-hmm. They, they scored, like, seven points in the minutes he wasn't out there. Uh, it's just uh, unbelievable uh, how they fall off when he's not on yeah, the court. He, he is extremely I, critical. I think some of that has to do with Kenny's rotations, though, and that... Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that there is someone he should clearly... Put in that's going to replace Spencer Dinwiddie and be the equivalent of him, but there is a way to stagger these lineups in a way that I feel like could be way more productive and way less. Oh, cool! We have five of the worst players in the NBA on the court simultaneously, but they have to play for the next six minutes together. Like you just you you watch like the Celtics play, and there's never a moment when like. Kimba or Tatum or Brown or Hayward, you know, like a guy, a, right. a, one of their starters isn't on the court, and we just never have that. Right. That said, to to your to you, the thing that you said, like, I think if we did have those players, we would be in a lot. But like, I do <laughs> yeah. think we would stagger them. It's just like, well, do you leave like brick laying, uh, you know? Um, What's his name? A temple out there? Like, is he going to do it? And you're right. I agree. His rotations are weird, and he does seem... Very rigid. Rigid, for sure. But it's like, yes, is it going to... But there's not a lot... Yeah, right. There's not... The roster is not constructed to have uh, a superstar on the court at every minute. Um, In fact, we don't have a superstar on the court any minute of any game right now. Yeah. Uh, Sadly. Um... I think my number one is just is going to be the 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 only one I have left that you're not going to say. Okay. So why Do don't you give you two okay. and and one? Yeah, two and one. Um. So my number two is uh is D'Angelo Russell's development. Oh. Watching him go from uh you know Lakers cast off to really exciting. In the first like eighteen games or whatever, till his knee got injured, and then he was pretty much terrible the rest of that year. And then seeing him be pretty not good at the beginning of last year, and just rising like the phoenix, Bill, uh, <laughs> to to really be um, the the biggest reason for um, for do I do my number one now? I think we must have the same number one. My number one. Can I? Should I go for it? Okay. 
my number one is just last year. Yes. Okay. Last year's season playoff run was my yeah. So yeah, last go, year. Go ahead. No, I mean I, I I think last year was the sort of embodiment of what it was to sort of buy into the type of team that we were told the Nets were, you know, like, and they actually did it. It was all about culture. It was all about working harder and it caught on and it actually worked. Like we had this disastrous early season run where we lost eight straight and we were going to rooting for tanking for Zion and all, you know, but they, they, Kenny and Sean Marks were determined not to throw the season away. They came back in spite of uh, Karras's, you know, injury, and D'Lo at all managed to defy all odds, make the Eastern Conference playoffs, and be one of the most fun teams to watch just because any night um, they could beat almost any team because they actually played as a team and cared for the entire 48 minutes that they were playing. And it was so easy to root for because they weren't supposed to be good. Um, and yet they were doing really, really well. It's just like the perfect, like the dream team to root for. Right. Um, that doesn't have any chance to win. It doesn't have a chance to win. But, but yeah, definitely. I mean, and they, they, you know, so many things were happening at once. D'Angelo was popping. Joe Harris was leading the league in field goal per, or a three point percentage. Spencer Dinwiddie was taking another leap. Jared Allen was statistically like twice as good as he had been the last year. Um, you just saw a, t- a ton of, of player development. You saw like, uh, you saw, um, Players, as you said, even though many of them were on expiring deals and some of them weren't even necessarily sure they were going to get another NBA contract, like totally buy in all yeah. of that, which is a real, definitely not a foregone conclusion um, with that many expiring contracts that they would all just go out and com- and completely buy in. So right. that that was incredible. Yeah, and there's uh, yeah, I mean, you think back like Damari Carroll and. Um, Rondé, well, he wasn't. He wasn't that. He was <laughs> Ed Davis. Yeah, um, those guys. Those guys were were just excellent, excellent vets on that team, um, and they did something. It felt kind of magical because the bottom of the East or the you know last six, seven, eight seed were so heavily contested, and there were some good teams like Miami didn't end up making it. Um, it was yeah, it was just really exciting. Yeah, my last thing is a sort of honorable mention slash TBD for me is, um, and I know it's not for you, is the signing of well, Kyrie and yeah, go ahead and Kevin Durant. Yeah, so that was my number four, and the oh. reason why I didn't say that was because oh, I assumed that Bill. you no, but I just assume a guy like your ass who's constantly talking about what an amazing thing this is is good has to put that at the number two or one. I thought that was going to be your number one, honestly. No, it's... Um, which is why I didn't do it. And I and like I don't share the optimism that it'll lead to a championship or that it. Um, you know, and I think it has led us to a win now team without the pieces to win now. But um, 
it's undeniably like the event. I feel like, other than the already proven to be a disastrous trade for KD and Paul Pierce, which we're not including in this, right? Um, so yeah, no, I think it's undeniably like one of the biggest things. I personally, you know, like I, I'm obviously conflicted about it. Right. So, so for me, the reason to not put it in the positives automatically is that again, we're sitting here at game whatever twenty or twenty one that Kyrie is sat out with an injury that seems like it could completely plague him for at least the rest of this year and possibly the rest of his career. Kevin Durant, we'll see what he looks like when he comes in. So, like, there's just so much. Like I remember feeling joy when they when they signed them, but it's tough to it's it's so I guess I could put that in the same category as like the the offer sheets, which were actually bad. But see right. that that was like fun, and we didn't have to suffer. Right, we didn't get screwed by it. We right. have to see what the result of bringing right. Tyler Johnson. In. Right, we exactly. Did we did have to do with crab, but that was at least one fewer year of the crab experience. Um, all right. Well, that was a good, and I would say uh, a very much um, maybe Nets time style top ten list. I don't think if you polled mm. um, ten other people who have been forced to write about it that they would have overlap on anything other than a few of the, the more obvious ones. Mm. Um, but that was that was good. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go to now that we've we've uh, dwelled in the past. Sure. Let's look uh, to the future. Here. Okay, twenty twenty predictions. We're just going to go through and sort of quickly go through some of the bigger um, uh, potential things that might happen this yes. season. So our first twenty twenty project uh, prediction: Who is the most likely net to get traded? To be traded in all of twenty twenty. Um, uh, not all of 20. Okay, just, just the, this season. The, yes, the 1920 season. Got it, okay. Uh, to me, the most likely player to be traded is uh, Joe Harris. Why? Uh, because it's going to cost a lot to keep him. He's highly valuable now. He's a big, like, sell-high uh, candidate. Again, I hope, just for the record, Nets fans, I hope he is not traded. I hope he is signed. I don't think we're going to get better value um, per player on our roster, given our salary cap situation, than than getting Joe Harris. Um, but I think he's most likely to be traded. Um, I agree with that. My backup would be uh, in in the case that you said that, which I assumed you would, um, would be Spencer, mm. because I think that he currently is the most tantalizing player we have to put out there, and we could get the most back for him. Unfortunately, I don't think that. He what we would get back would be you know a contract of similar value that would probably be worthless that someone would want to get off, and um, future assets. And I don't think the Nets are trying to get future assets right now because, as we mentioned, we're in win now mode, baby. Um, all right, who is the most likely to play the fewest games? I think this is obvious. I think it's got to be Kyrie. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's Kyrie. Um, what do you what do you uh, what seed do you think the Nets end up in, or do we miss the playoffs entirely? For me, Bill, I'm keeping the optimism alive. I think we're going to get the seventh seed. 
Why? Wow. I, I do. Even even with the struggling, you know, the the bad uh, schedule shaking out, I I just think that the other teams are not um, gonna catch up. All right, I think that uh, Orlando is on the rise, and mm. I think that Chicago is also on the rise, but. I do think that we are going to hold on and get the eighth seed. Okay. Um, which brings us to the final record. You initially projected 45 wins. Are you sticking to it? No. We're I on th- pace for it. I Yeah, I know. With the incredibly soft schedule. But, but you know, maybe maybe we'll get other players back who, who will help us. Uh, but I would say we're closer to a 500 season. I would say we're close to a 42-win season. All right. I am going to stick with my preseason prediction of 40 wins. Okay. And I do think that will be enough in the East this year to lock up a spot, considering currently the eighth seed is two or three games behind um, 500. Uh, Will Kinney still be the coach at the end of the season? Yes. I don't. I yeah I I I really do think so. Me too. I think that um, because of the injuries, he his job is safe this season. Um, he will. You could spin it as he hasn't gotten the opportunity to coach these guys up. I think that next year could be the year that he has to look out, especially if we get off to a similar start to the one we have this year. Um, will Kitty play any games? Final prediction. Uh no. Same. All right. Moving on to next year's resolutions. Um, I just have one. Okay. Do you have one? Yes, I have one. All right. I'll, I'll do mine first. Um, I am going to try to find more positives in the Nets. <laughs> um, I am I'm very down about things, as you know, uh, like Kyrie's injury, DeAndre Jordan's four-year contract, um, having to watch our only good player, Spencer Dinwiddie, complain perpetually to the refs. Um, so I want to try to refocus. Mm. My my attempts at refocusing were somewhat hindered by Nick Claxton's injury because I was getting down on the Clax train, even though he played miserably after that one initial game. Um, but I basically want to move into a world of uh, zero expectations. Okay. Uh, and appreciate whichever guy is popping in the night. So if it's a Temple night, if it's a Prince night, if it's a Harris night, whoever it is, try to get into that. Um, I, uh, I am, you know, am not immune to self-delusion and think that I can, you know, if I don't try to think about this team in the broader context of like, well, was this a smart thing to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan and Garrett Temple, and is this going to work in some big way? And instead just be like, you know what? This is the team that I like. And I like seeing Garrett Temple being arguably the best player tonight. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to... Oof, that is to like a resolution to like yeah. run, it doesn't a, feel... run a marathon every day or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I imagine that resolution, um, which is mostly just made for the sake of we had this section in mm-hmm. our podcast, mm-hmm. will be forgotten by the time this thing is hitting your ears. <laughs> Uh, mine is a bit similar, um, but it is to 
try to stop thinking about, you know, um, the injured game, the games when lots of nets are injured as, you know, kind of like not real games Mm -hmm. and just sort of embrace, you know, watching the nets. So, you know, as they appear. So I found myself being like, oh boy, you know, how many more games do we have until X? How many games before Karis comes back? How many games before Kyrie comes back? Um, and you know what? If you live like that, you're mm. just not going to have many games that you're even thinking about the actual game. So I'm going to try to be more in the moment, as oh, they say, nice. and try to appreciate, uh, you know, much like you're saying, you know, if Spencer's having a, a spectacular game or, or Joe Harris is lighting it up, you know, that, that still counts. You know, if the Nets are able to, to grind out a win against, you know, the XYZ Cavs, team, the Cavs, or the, who do we barely beat? The Hawks. The, the Hawks, right. Yeah, come from behind. You know, that, that's, a, yeah, but, you know, there were elements of that game, you know, that was an exciting, we, we did, you know, there were make some, them there look were like three quarters quarter. of truly, truly hard to watch basketball, but that yeah. last quarter was fun. It was. Thank uh, you, Kim Reddish. Undeniably fun. All right, we're going to switch over to our mailbag. Okay. I mean, you haven't heard this yet, All so right. I will answer first um american express has that oh this from irl jay-z as well great thank you uh send in your questions comments to maybe next time on twitter and whatnot Mm -hmm. american express has that offer where if you buy a player's jersey and that player switches teams they will get you a jersey for their new team so the question is which if any former net would you want to represent with their new team's jersey Huh. So this, I think, is a really good question, uh, though it is an embarrassing one for me to answer. Okay. Um, for a number of different reasons. Okay. But my answer, and it's not really going to surprise you, but it would be Jared Dudley. <laughs> that is a little <laughs> now, surprising. I, I. I feel bad saying it because I I don't think I don't think in my even at my lowest I would actually wear a Lakers jersey around. <laughs> but that said, um, I loved Dudley in the playoffs last year. I think having a jersey with the name Dudley on it is kind of funny because his name <laughs> has the word Dud in it. Yeah, um, and. Honestly, as you are aware, in my in my heart of hearts, I other than the Nets, who I think have zero chance of winning the championship this year, I do want the Lakers to win the championship. Right. Um, because I would like defendants of MJ's supremacy to have a little bit harder time defending it over LeBron James. Um, and so in that sense, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't in that abstract sense, I wouldn't mind wearing a Lakers jersey, but I just despise, um, Lakers fandom so much. And just like, I am not a Lakers fan. I don't want to like appear as if I am one of them. So I don't think I could actually wear the jersey, but for this, for the sake of this question, I think it'd have to be Jared Dudley. I mean, also many of the players that are no longer on our team um, aren't on any team, so that makes the uh, you know right. unless you want the Turkish team that Archie Goodwin's on or the <laughs> Chinese team that um, Quincy Acey's on, right? Not a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, so 
my pick is, and I, I'm surprised that you didn't say D'Angelo Russell. Oh. Um, similarly, for similar reasons, I would feel a little bit weird about wearing a D'Angelo Russell fan. I am not a Warriors fan. I know that you know there's lots of Warriors fans out there. But two, it would kind of be too sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, but... <laughs> Um, it's They're, they've won a couple in a row, yeah, including the Christmas Day game they won last night. Yeah, D'Lo I, put up like thirty five last night. Oh wow, um, D'Lo was he, also benched at the end of that Rockets game that they won on Christmas. Oof, yeah. I've noticed him doing some off ball stuff in in the parts of the game that I watched, which is kind of encouraging, like running off of screens and and stuff. He, he shot one for ten from three that night. Mm. That was rough. Um. Yeah, like Torian Prince. So, um. <laughs> so no. Uh. So my pick would be Ed Davis. I oh, would love a jazz a Ed one. Davis jersey. But the Jazz. Do you really want to be a white guy wearing a Jazz jersey? Is there any other white guy? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't wear jerseys at all. So that you know, this is uh, this is a pretty pure hypothetical. But I, I, you know, love the guy. Don't think he gets enough uh, respect for what he does, except in kind of like the pundit sphere. Right. But, also, he's not done anything this season, apparently. Right. Um, but it's because of a lack of, of uh, confidence and utilization, I'm sure, right. from that supposedly good coach, Big Quinn, Big Brain Quinn. <laughs> uh, um, and not because of Ed Davis, I'm quite certain. Right. Naturally. Um, all right. Well, thank you for the question. That was a good one. Yeah, we thank have, you. Uh, the Rockets tonight. We have the, the um, Timberwolves uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mavericks Thursday and the Raptors on Saturday. Those are four tough teams. I would yes. say the Timberwolves are the weakest of any of those teams. Yeah. Um, the Raptors are the team that has a comparable amount of injuries to us. Right. Who else is out besides Siakam? Siakam. I mean, that's a big one, obviously. I believe, uh, well, Norm Powell is out. Okay. Um, maybe, I think um, I think that Van Vliet is back. Um, Maybe OG Ananobi. I don't know. I know they. I just know they have a number. Oh, Marcus All. Marcus All is out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's. Well, not let's good. hope they stay out. Yes, very much hope they stay out. Um, what do you think is going to happen in the next four games? Uh, let me be the optimist here, right, right, right. and say we win two of two. Of wow. Five. Okay. Over. Let's say the. The Timberwolves and the Raptors. Great, I love it. Um, I think we go three and one. We take <laughs> the Rockets down tonight. We take the Wolves down on Monday. We give the Mavs. You know they're good. <laughs> they're quite good. Um, and and we we beat an under uh, undermanned or injured Raptors team. Great. All right, Simon. Where can people find us? They can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Maybe Nets Time. And please send us your comments, questions, thoughts, etc. to maybenetstime at gmail.com. Maybe if they see a star, say a star? Yes. See see a star, say a star. Give us those five stars on any of the places that you can find us, which includes uh, (laughs) uh, Apple Podcasts, your Stitchers, 
your Spotify, uh, Spotify's, uh, your Player FM's. Yeah, Player FM for All sure. Right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, when is the impeachment trial happening in the Senate, Simon? I don't know. Next year at some point. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we will definitely be recording before the trial is is brought up in the Senate. Um, so we'll, we'll hold off. We'll suspend our riveting commentary right. on that for the time being. Absolutely. Um, though I do know that a, a large portion of our audience is now coming to us for that insight. Im- impeachment insight? Impeachment Definitely. insight. Um, what do you think Nancy Pelosi did for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> that coastal millionaire liberal. Uh, no, I mean, she is a coastal millionaire liberal, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even really want to guess. Okay. Because. Well, we uh, watched the report last night. And, oh, yeah, it's uh, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, now Feinstein a movie, but... plays a, a big role in the. Yeah, I think Fe- Feinstein got. Uh, I think she probably exec produced that. Oh, no. yeah, she got what I, we call kid gloves. I mean, I, I understand. I, first of all, you know, that was sort of partially made by the um, f- some offshoot of like First Look Media. Oh. So, like, the Intercept people. Right, so, yeah, yeah. I think it is, like, if nothing else, and this is pretty much... I don't think it was an actually, like, well-put-together movie. I think it was pretty much, like, leftist catnip. Yeah. But... And, and not, like, done in a... in Anyway, whatever. Um, but I do think that on that particular topic, she was, like, fine-ish. Right. You no, know, and yeah, they, yeah. they show her being basically... Fine-ish to you could construe it as like positive and noble, but but on that she was like forceful in getting the report as much as she could published, and mm-hmm. you know they do show that she's like I really like the CIA, but this is like pretty not good even by my standards. So right. which I think is probably accurate. Yeah, uh, Udall was good in it. Who yes. was so Mark Udall was yeah. Was Colorado, yeah. and we had Tom, Tom Udall, Udall yeah. in northern New Mexico, right? Yes, but then he's he's now a senator. He is a senator. Yeah, in New Mexico, like the New Mexico one of oh, two he's New, one Mexico of the New Mexico senators. senators. Yeah. Okay, great. Go go, Tom. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Send us your questions. We love you. We miss you. Have yeah. a happy new year. Yeah, my absolutely. God. Please have, any, have a good please one. Please have a good one for us. You gotta have a good one. You gotta have a great one. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> have a great New Year's. Uh, all right, we'll go ahead and uh, see, see ya, ya next, next time. time. <laughs> I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read